live in Bahrain for F1 testing. People doing well out here so far. Mercedes, Williams and uh, Force India. People not doing so well in Bahrain. Political dissenters, the poor and all women, as usual. Hello, a croeso i Gareth Jones a race. Gareth, do we even chief my zog? I'm sorry. You don't know what to say, do you? I'm my temporary My Richard Porter. Hey, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the official St. David's Day, slightly more Welsh episode of Gareth Jones on Speed than normal. See, the thing is, even though you didn't know what I said there, you had a good idea what I was saying because you know the pattern yeah, of the show. Yeah, I had a vague idea. Yeah, he called you really rude words. Subversive English ideas. Right, listen, Formula One, I noticed something today. I had to write this down. Have you noticed the amount of alliteration that there is in Formula One at the moment? Suffering succotash. Can't say I have. We've got Sutil in a Sauber. We've got Magnussen in a McLaren. We've got Ricciardo. In a Red Bull. We've got Kobayashi in a caterer. That's the last one on the list. Actually, it's not the last one. That's a K and a C. So no, but that would do. Okay, but it works in Kamuzi, school. So. Kobe, it's a K. It's a K and a K. If you're Welsh, there is no K. Okay. K- I'd K- quite K- like it if they started spelling catering with a K. K. I don't know why. It's a bit punk. If they were being crazy with a K. Catering. That's crazy catering. If you take first names, you could have Fernando in a Ferrari. Yeah. Or Max in the Marussia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or minimum, as I prefer to call it. Or him. Sebastian in a sack of s***. <laughs> hey, now I knew Based that was going to happen. Testing. You'd look at it. Oh, the best one, Susie Wolf in a Williams. You don't get W alliteration every day, do you? You it's do if you're William Woolard. You do. Please do drive safely. Not from the past. Yes. My role model as a presenter, number one, William Woolard, number two, James Burke. Ooh. William Woolard, whose hand he would make that shape, a sort of an inverted mm. octopus with his hand. Yes, he would. That's it for Wheelbase this week. And we'd look down at his post-it notes with the things written on his toes for the three menu items and then look up. Great technique. Love him. My Ma- colleague James May and I were talking about William Woolard only this week and speculating that his career was finished when the integrated plastic bumper came to cars because it meant he couldn't rest his foot on it in a sort of <laughs> way. And a therefore his presenting career way. was, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. avuncular, knowledgeable, trustworthy, please drive safely. But when they started smoothing in the bumper a little bit, it rather than sort of tacked on bit of stainless steel or, or whatever, he couldn't do it anymore. And he just thought, well, what's the point? I'm mm. not going to do it. I'm going to go and set up a company you. that makes corporate videos instead and make millions from there. No, that was goffy. No, Willard. Really? Inca. Yeah, Inca is Willard's company, and they made lots of corporate videos, but also made the Christmas lectures for many years, which I subscribe to. Anyway, Susie Wolf in a Williams discuss. There's been a lot of fuss about it, hasn't there? Excitement, I should say. Has there been excitement? There's been fuss, you're right. Well, that's the surprising thing about it. There has been, in a sense, as much coverage of it as there has been, because it's not that remarkable. She's been their test driver, one of their reserve drivers, and your test reserve drivers go out and sometimes they drive in practice sessions. So why wouldn't she go and drive in practice sessions? She's their development driver, which means, as I understand it, that she does a lot of the simulator work in the same way that Gary Paffett does for McLaren, for example. She's been doing that for two years. But really, the headline is, Member of Staff Has Contract Renewed. So they're keeping her on for 2014, and they've said, you will get a go in the car in a practice session, which normally they do that as a test driver. They've got Felipe Nazarer yeah. is doing that job. But a development driver, they're going to let her out of the simulator, have a go in the real car. 
Now, that's the story. But because this ridiculous, archaic attitude in the motorsport press and the wider press oh, yeah, of the- going, oh my God, she's a woman! Her fragile bones will be crushed by the forces! <laughs> she shouldn't be allowed to drive! She should be sitting under a tree wearing a dress that covers her ankles reading a slim volume of poetry until a man comes along and marries her! It's not 1894 anymore! What say, is wrong with these people? The press is very Victorian, isn't it? Oh, it's pathetic. Yeah. Well, but also, they're a bit clueless and, you know, they're a bit... Uh, Sexy? They're a bit... Um, no, no, I, I just mean that, in a sense, their reaction to getting a press release on their desk from Williams saying uh, development driver Susie Wolfe is going to be driving in the practice sessions at this Grand Prix, whereas the motorsport press will be a bit more informed about it and put it in context and are well aware that she's just one of their non-race drivers, as you say, doing their job. But I'm not sure but they are. I still sort of smell this rather... They're making rather too much fuss about it. It's like when... Williams um, are making too much fuss about it. No, I don't think yeah. Williams are. They just went, look, yeah, it the, is... The, the, Member of staff has contract with you, but and people have gone. Yeah, because yeah, they put out a press out. release and about uh, Philippe yeah. Nasser as well. But it's the same thing when Mary Barras took over as the boss of GM. There was just that whiff of, I can't believe she could run a large corporation that makes cars. Cars are man's preserve. Mm, mm. Someone with a vagina couldn't possibly understand how cars are made. And it's just like, well, why not? It's 2014. Mm. It's absurd. Susie Wolf. Yes. We'll get an airing at the British Grand Prix in first practice one on the Friday, I believe. Yeah. And also the German Grand Prix. So it's a big thing for Williams, and it will draw attention to the fact that Williams have now got a Mercedes engine, which is probably what Mercedes wants to do. I don't think it's anything to do with that. I mean, they could just put out a press release going, we've got a Mercedes engine, and then anyone who's got a frigging brain would just go, oh, they've got a Mercedes engine. There is, I think, a decent buzz about Williams. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. When the thing that I think we're not talking about at the moment, but this great rumoured martini sponsorship. The martini sponsorship that we're supposed not to know about. But the boozy elephant already. in the room, yeah. Well, it's still not been officially announced, has it? But no. I think everybody sort of knows it's going to happen. Well, it's, yeah, yeah. I've just it's been you... so massively rumoured. We've all imagined that lovely yes. Ooh, yes, isn't it? Mm. But I think Williams are wise. They realise we in the world of motorsport are fully aware that Susie Wolfe has been there doing this job for ages, but the fact that she will now do it publicly at a Grand Prix will garner interest from a non-motorsport audience, and it will get the message out a bit further. She's absolutely the right person for the job, very experienced, knows the system in and out. She should do really well, and I think that will be good for lovely Williams. I'm afraid I completely disagree with you there. Really? I don't think it will draw in anyone who doesn't. If you're not interested in Formula One, you're not suddenly going to watch it and watch the first practice session. You'd have to get Sky F1 channel to see it. Just to see, oh, there's a woman driving it. Well, she's bound to have a parking accident or something. I'm going to watch Formula One for the first time in my life. Not going to happen. (laughs) It might happen for a race. In fact, I'm annoyed with ourselves for even talking about this. It's not a story. It's not going to change F1 viewership. It's not going to change F1 in any fundamental way. It's just person has contract renewed, person continues to do their job. Best of luck to them. I'm not suggesting it will increase viewership. What it will do, it will get the Mercedes and the Martini message to a wider group of people because non-motorsport coverage will happen even if it's first practice. And Susie Wolf made her debut British driver today. and That's what will happen, I reckon. But then who does that benefit? People will go and buy a bottle of Martini. Yeah. Which pays for Williams to go racing. <laughs> Does anyone ever buy martini anymore? Except, <laughs> weirdly enough, because I'm quite partial to a cocktail called a Negroni, which is an Italian mm. aperitif, mm-hmm. which is quite fighty because it's made with gin, 
Mm. Campari, mm. orangey, mm. and martini. And the thing is, you can make it at home because it's an equal measure of all three. So you just need a shot glass and a larger glass and some ice, and you can make yourself a rather delicious cocktail. Martini Rosso you're putting in there. Martini Rosso, yes. So I do have martini in the house, but I don't think I'm going to buy more because Williams are sponsored by it, I just want the colour scheme on the car because I think it'll look quite cool. But that, that's I'm, where it ends. I'm totally with you there. But you know how this works? It's Darren Brown, isn't it? It's simply suggesting the idea that you might want to buy a martini when most people just don't bother these days. People I'm might genuinely baffled. Do martini make other things? Because what is their no, business they only model make these those, days? I'm sure that's all they make. There's quite a lot of martini merchandise mm-hmm. in terms of you know martini racing jackets and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. How much of the licensing income from that is going to martini, I don't know. Presumably something, because otherwise... Mind you, it, Red Bull's business brand. model is based on one drink that tastes like floor cleaner, and they've done all right, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> <So> we, <laughs> who are we to say? The point at which we're recording this, this is how things went in Bahrain today. Now, I should say this is the first day of the final test in Bahrain, and I'll work backwards, right? I'll read it backwards. Kimi Kobayashi, 11th in the catering. Pastor Maldonado, 10th in the Lotus. Lotus are talking about being the lead Renault team. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what? It's just nothing to be proud of, is it? They're all going it's, terribly. Yeah, being, yeah. being least poor of mm. the really not going to be terribly good at the start of the season Renault teams. Nope. True. Daniel Kvyat, ninth in the Toro Rosso. Max Chilton, eighth. How about that? Marussia ahead of Toro Rosso and oh, that, Lotus. That's that an achievement. Something. They've but got a Ferrari engine there. But it's only testing. But yeah, mm. it's only testing. This is all... Just yeah, you don't, you don't know what they were doing. But so. if there's a trend, it is clear that the Mercedes engine teams are generally near the top. Look at this. Perez was the quickest today. We've had Bottas being quickest in the past over testing. You know, it's got to help a little bit, hasn't it? But the cars, they're quick. Are they reliable? Yeah, they've done more running. Certainly better shape than the front. So uh, the last, I just saw a table today that said, in terms of total distance covered in the three testing sessions, most distance covered was by Mercedes, then McLaren, then Williams, then Ferrari, and Red Bull were right down the bottom. Only Lotus and Marussia have done fewer miles than Red Bull. Ouch, that's Mm. not good. Unless it's the most colossal bluff in history. It's not good for Red Bull, but it's good for shaking things up a bit and possibly having a different shape to this season. Um, We just have to keep our fingers crossed on those pesky women get into the cars and (laughs) it really will shake things up for the worst. I'm joking, by the way, just to be quite clear. You join us here in Australia where the start of the 2014 Formula One season is just moments away. A quick reminder of the starting grid for the race on pole. Valtteri Bottas in the Williams Martini. Behind him, Jensen Button in the McLaren Baby Sham. The second row occupied by Lewis Hamilton and Mika Rosberg in the two Mercedes Lambrini cars. And right behind them, Adrian Sutil in the Sauber Cherry B and Kamui Kobayashi in the Caterham 4-pack of Carling Black Label and a bottle of Blue Dum. At the other end of the grid, it's less good news for Sebastian Vettel and Daniel Ricciardo, who find themselves on the penultimate row, racing for what used to be Red Bull, now renamed Infinity Dettol Multi-Surface Floor Cleaner. Step Vettel with Gareth Jones on speed! I was thinking of some car-related jokes earlier on today. Try this one. 
a Volkswagen, a Bentley, a Skoda and a Seat walk into a bar. It's like the Irishman, Englishman, Scotsman sort of thing. Yeah? Walk into a bar and they all share the same drink. A comment on platform sharing at the VAG group for you there. Not so much comedy, more like just an opportunity to say that's what they do. Okay. No, that wasn't funny. Thank no. you. That was a public I service announcement. Keep working on it. Okay. Right. Punchline needs a bit of work, I think. E type walks into a bar, barman says, Why the long face? Hey! That that has more of the form of a joke. That's definitely. It's definitely. It's in the same postcode as a joke. Last one then. Knock, knock. Who's there? Proton. Proton who? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Talking of which, when did you last see a GT86 on the road? You ever Uh, seen a That's a good question. Mm. I did see one quite recently, but I remember thinking. Ruddy Nora, there's a GC86 because it's been so long. Yeah. You don't see many about. You don't see many about, do you? And well advertised, but you don't see them. Interesting. Mm. They missed the boat, perhaps, too. I don't know whether it's selling as many as they'd hoped, if it's selling at all. Who knows? Well, it's all you to do, but they might not want to say if it's not going well. Anyway, um, horribly off topic, what we were going to talk about in this section of the show was a project which, if you trawl the web, you may have come across. It's a website, have a look now, called perrin.com. And perrin is spelled P-E-R-R-I-N-N.com. And it's nothing to do with the popular Leonard Rossiter character of the 1970s. My God, I'm going to take off my clothes and dive into the sea and swim away. Miss Jones. Oh, that was the other one, wasn't it? Yeah, we're going to You think of Rising Dawn? Yes, yeah. Same voice. It's also nothing to do with one half of the people who make Worcester Sauce. I didn't get where I am today without making Worcester Sauce. All that, yeah. Yeah, that's Liam Perrin's, again. Yeah, not them. Whole different Perrin. But what this appears to be is an attempt to create and put a team together to race at Le Mans and win. Their ambition is to win the Le Mans 24 hours by doing the whole thing in an open-source environment. Is that how you say it? Oh, oh, so it is Worcester Sauce, an open uh, Worcester Sauce environment. environment. (laughs) Can you explain this, Sog? You've read a bit about it. Well, yeah, somebody had sent us a tweet pointing out this website, and I think you said in a reply that I'd been following this, and just to correct that, I didn't actually know anything about Perrin, really, other than having vaguely heard of it, until I looked at the website properly and what I'd been interested in was the kind of open source car manufacturing thing and what people were doing on that front and this isn't entirely the same thing but it's a group who have a design for a P1 car so it's worth saying that they're going for P1 not one of the lower categories they've got a design for a car I think they'd originally hoped to find somebody to pay them to build the car and they would take that design to somebody and would build it for them but they're now taking a different tack and they're sort of throwing their arms open and saying hey everybody get involved and they are presenting it as this open source community project which anybody can contribute to. As far as I can tell, this is everything from on the marketing side, introduces to potential sponsors, introduces to potential advertisers, other people we can work with, to suggestions about how you might actually um, run your team during during the weekend. Now, I just don't know. On the one hand, I'm totally behind any British team that's getting together to have a crack at Le Mans, and good luck to them. But it's also maybe not taking the best approach to open sourcing things in that, for example... I think an awful lot of things in the process of designing and building and racing a car, 
and running a race team are not things that are best done by a group of randomly selected people. They are things that are best done by a very small professional group of people who I are I believe they're normally called well, experts. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just well-meaning amateurs who fancy a go mm-hmm. at laying up some carbon fibre. Well, I'm sure they're not suggesting that they're going to pick the first design out of the, yeah, out of the bin well, you and say do that. that. But, you know, I'm looking at their website, right? Now, their website has a tab at the top that says drivers. When you click on that, it says suggest a driver. Please select your driver from the list below. If you want to vote again, you can. One vote a day maximum. And then it says, please select the driver you think should drive the My P1, which is the name of the car. Now, I mean, what the hell is this? It's just like some kind of... And they've got a list of all the drivers ever. Well, they've got a list of... Yeah, everyone. I just saw Roman Dumas on there. There's Anthony yeah. Davidson on Chile. there. Uh, Karen Shandock, Alex Brundle. Ayrton Senna. Oh, yeah. Juan Manuel Fangio. I think he's <laughs> a driver. I mean, this is just like some yeah. kind of school project. Well, they say they're not saying these people are going to drive the car. They're just saying, say you'd like to drive it, and then maybe we'll ask them. And when they say no, we'll go down the list. And so they've got, after 800 votes, our top six are Sebastian Bourdais, Pedro Lame, uh, Joao Barbosa, uh, Jeroen Blikemolen, uh, Fabio Lima and Olivier Platt. And it's like, well, this has no bearing on who's actually going to drive this imaginary car yeah. if it ever comes to fruition. And it's inter- just and drivel. And, and, and on a marketing front and sort of getting people involved, you don't want to be too open-armed about who you get involved in your marketing efforts as an organisation because you generally want to sort of control your image fairly control. well. You don't want to just, you know, let anybody yeah. come along. Hello, with we're the BNP. We'd like to sponsor your open-source <laughs> car. Will you... Oh, yeah, I've got to let you now because of our Because principles. you've already signed yeah, up on the form yeah. there, and yeah, you've given us the fiver, and therefore it's we've got to give you it. UKIP, yeah, we'll yeah, sponsor your team, the... we'll put our name in it, but you're not allowed yeah. to go to We're France. It's a car will only be... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, please compete in Le Mans, but from the safety of Kent. <laughs> and, uh, make sure the car always veers towards the right. <laughs> Don't use kilometres, too far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <far laughs> right, all of the nuts and bolts must be in inches as well. Imperial, <laughs> it's all imperial. Oh, now everything's fallen off. And you must pay for it in groats. And we want uh, it to do well, but we can't see how it's going to work out. But then we don't really know. On their we're, we're really just looking at the website. So well, I, I get the feeling yes. they don't really know what's going on. No, this is trouble. I think you've nailed it, Richard. They say, right, OK, we make a list of 7,000 drivers, narrow it down to 4,000. One of the things on their website says, you know, how are you going to compete with the major car manufacturers? And they said, well, we'll run our team very efficiently. Hang on, a narrow list of 10,000 drivers is not running things efficiently. Also, You're wasting energy. Do let's you know? be clear on this as well. The multiple Le Mans winning Audi team is famed for its inefficiency. Oh, I mean, after yeah, all, they're German, the least efficient country in the world. Yeah, yeah. There must be wastage all over yeah. the shop. And I'm sure that these people who've set up a website and then with a list of a billion drivers on it know everything there is about efficiency. Yeah. It's all very admirable, but it's also ultimately just horse sh- <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm uh, reminded of that, what is it called, the 50 or the 100 year spaceship project, Zog? Do you know the about this? Year, yeah, the 100 year spaceship. Well, yeah, we don't have time to talk about it, but that is a very interesting project. Yeah, uh, it's a similar sort of crowdfunding, theoretically, if we're going to do this, we've got to start now, sort of thing. Yeah. We wish them well, but I think my mate Pete Williams of Dexy's Midnight Runners is stands a better chance of making his album with crowdfunding and getting that away than they do getting well, this Well, that's it, on. but that's, yeah, that's crowdfunding, isn't it? And that's the yeah. thing, you think, well, you've got a critical mass of people like you who really like Dexy's. Yeah. 
want to hear some material from Pete Williams, yeah. and we'll put a few quid in. Five yeah. It's very admirable. Lloyd Cole did the same thing for his last album, which turned out to be absolutely spectacular, yeah. and it's almost like a virtuous circle, because mm. then mm-hmm. people hear that he's made a great album, and they start buying it, and then he's in profit, and people who like Lloyd Cole want Lloyd Cole to be in profit, because mm. they'd like mm-hmm. him to be able to eat and heat and his write house. And write more of those slightly too many words. Yes. Well, no, no, he's... Oh, no, don't oh, stop. To be fair, I haven't heard that latest. Oh, you really should. Very okay. good. Yes, anyway, but we digress. I think it's, I just think this is all very nice, this idea of open sourcing, but it seems so contrary to this, the way that top-level motorsports work. Yes, mm. this isn't the best application for it, I think. It's this not. It and seem and, to be and the their website of, uh, just reads like some kind of slightly idealistic, drippy... Doc Martin wearing student project and not a serious thing that any enterprise with a lot of money would want to sponsor. But you know what? You might have said the same thing of the whole Delta Wing project, which, remember, floundered when it was pitched as the Indianapolis car. Yeah. You might have said the same about that until one day Nissan said, we're going to put this Nissan 1.6 engine in it. And at that point... It flew. Why? Mm. Because like any other motorsport team, immediately you got the sponsors to pay for the payroll, you'll pick the best and you'll succeed. But this is the thing, this is where this doesn't seem to conform to that, because the reason Nissan got involved is because they looked at that car, they went, this is something genuinely different, yep. and we can see a marketing benefit to that, because it will get lots of attention. Yep. Now, this Reginald Perrin car looks to me, from the few computer renderings on their website, to be exactly the same as any other Le Mans it, LMP1 it's car. It's in the mould of the other LMP1, well, yeah, exactly. There's no innovation, they're just trying to do exactly the same. But all across the website talks about new marketing opportunities and marketing benefits. What are the marketing benefits? Mm. Getting your company to splash a load of money on a car that looks exactly the same as anyone else's, but probably won't do as well because it's not as well-funded as Audi or Toyota. In their defence is a marketing benefit. We're talking about a team no one's ever heard of now, aren't we, on this Damn you, Leon Perrins, you've trapped us! I'm sorry, but I put it to you, sir, that this concept of open-source racing is a load of arse. Uh, no, it's slightly lower than that. Well, it's plainly just balls. No, it's a bit higher than that. Aha! So you admit that your entire idea is somewhere between arse and balls. Yes, that's why we're called perineum racing. At the point at which we're recording this programme, the Geneva Auto Salon has not yet happened, but details of some of the cars appearing there have emerged. One in particular, of course, has got my attention, and that is the Volvo Concept Estate, or ES Concept Estate, they're calling it. They're calling it the ES because of the links with your favourite and my favourite, the beautiful P1800ES. I know mm. you like the P1800S. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. More. But that classic proper shooting brake that it was, because there are a lot of cars these days that are not shooting brakes who are called shooting brakes or something like it. Shooting brake has to have three doors, in my opinion. And that old P1800, yep. it was a coupe with an estate back, right? Not... A four-door estate with a slightly soapy back. Hmm. That's not a shooting brake. Have you seen this car? It's designed by someone called Thomas Ingenath, I think is his name. Yeah, he's their design boss. Yeah. And this is, this is the third of a 
trilogy of concept cars. Yep. There was that coupe concept that appeared coupe. at the uh, Frankfurt Detroit show. Frankfurt, was it? Well, yes. a, a show recently, we can say that. And then there was another one, which I can't remember. But look, um, look, look at this, go back to the Volvo. I did bring a, the pictures up. Yeah, yeah. Go, I, I did a, a mock-up of, what's it called, the Jaguar CX-17, that sort of 4x4 sports ute that they've designed. I did a mock-up of it where I rubbed out the back doors, lengthened the front doors, and gave it a floating rear glass. Hmm. And do you know what? It looks remarkably like this. For a shooting brake, it is slightly tall. It's still bordering on the 4x4. But look, some of the proportions are dead right. Look at the way that the rear lights and the rear haunches. It's got wings, just like the P1800. Yeah, well, it has that certain tallness to it. Spreading haunches that give it a slightly more powerful look than if it was more squared off, I guess, or smoother. Um, Those back lights and the way that they extend into the tailgate, I think, ruins the back of it. You think? Yeah, and knackers the proportions. If you cover that over, look, just cover that on my finger. yeah. How much nicer and more elegant it looks because it's not. Look, it's yeah, got two fingers sticking out. Yeah, it's got fingernails all over. But it does. I don't what, like what, that. What it's got is a It's got a pair of red rounds. Let me explain. Look, that's for, nice in profile. Yeah. Explain for our listeners that those rear lights are kind of where we had the boomerang rear lights on the old Maserati. This is more like a U-bend rear light with a dog leg in it. It's a line that comes down vertically, goes off to the right or the left, and sweeps back in itself. It is very fiddly, but you know, it's a show car. Isn't it? No, I just think, I don't think it's a good bit of design. I think the rest of it's really nice. And I like the fact it's brown as well. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's, that's all good. Mm. Hey, my son invented a new colour the other day. My number one son, which I thought you'd approve of, Richard. He invented a colour? Yeah, he's invented a new colour. Yeah. Okay. I, doing. Are you sure it's really a new colour? Yeah. Come on then. Watch Richard now. Luminous beige. He <laughs> <laughs> told you. Luminous the, beige. The unachievable dream. I want a car in luminous beige, but a brown Volvo is Can I just fantastic. ask a question? It's not called the ES, is it? It's called the Concept Estate. Concept Estate. I think it's got ES in there somewhere. No, no. Not, not in the official In your mind, release. I think. Sorry, but that's what happened. The rear of the Concept Estate echoes the design Volvo, of the Volvo yeah. 1800 ES. It doesn't call it the 70s. But look at this. I was just looking for some more pictures from the official press release, and I've just seen the seats. Floaty. There's a lot going on in this interior. Lots of different colours. Look, that's mm-hmm. like rosewood there. And then there's some beige and then there's some know, piano black or something here. And I, oh I, I put money on the seats n- on the production one not actually being quite no. as high-tech and office as they appear I mean, that's that sort of I like mean, an they, Eames chair or yeah, something. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really yeah. mental. But what we've got here is the bare bones of the new XC90 when it comes out. There'll be a, some of that car in it, won't there? Yes. Yeah, a little doors. bit. Yeah. A well, little bit. Look, so look, that's it's actually it's quite, quite low. It's quite BMW-ish, actually. Unless that lady that is seven feet tall, mm. I think that car's actually quite low. But I guess the XC will yeah, be very tall. tall and that. But, you know, those strappingly healthy Scandinavians... They are it, tall. It, she may be a seven-foot-tall woman, you it's, never know. We can't rule it out. But you know what? Shocking as this is going to sound, you know how much I love shooting brakes? And as a shooting yep. brake, that is beautiful. Yep. But you know what? Go on. I don't think the concept estate is as nice as the concept coupe that they did for the last show. I mm. think, actually, for the first time in recorded history, I think I prefer the coupe, coupe to the to shooting a... brake version. Oh, really? Crikey. That is quite... A, I know. That's quite a... And I do love that, but I think the coupe was glorious. And is there anything else that's really kind of got your attention from the Geneva previews? Cactus. I know it's not a Geneva show car. But well, it's a production car. So this is, I mean, this is a concept car that's become a production car. I really, really want to like it. Mm -hmm. 
but I'm somehow disappointed by I think it's trying a bit too hard with those air pocket things on the outside. I like the whole idea of a, a very simplified car. It's a lilo strapped to the door. Well, that's what it looks yeah, like. Yeah. And also, I just think you'll come back to your car and find kids popping it like an enormous bubble wrap. It's just... I, I like the fact they've done something really unusual and concept car-y on a car that you'll be able to buy. Mm-hmm. But... I'm just not sure that uh, I actually You're not convinced like by it. the practicality of it. No, I just, there's various other bits well, where I just think... Mm. Like any car, mm-hmm. it needs a couple of, if you like, surprise and delight features to get people's attention on novelties. And I don't know what they call the air cladding on the doors, which act as inner city bumpers for the doors. Fair enough. Um, they call it... Oh, you We've got live searching here. Because yeah. <laughs> I can't remember... And I was reading the Lilo. I was reading the press release and air bump, I think they call it. Let's have a look, mm. hang on. I've got an laptop here, so there we go, yeah, air bump. Air bump. Nice. It's a bit of novelty. It's, yeah, uh, it looks better there actually in that colour with just a cortic steering wheel of its day, isn't yeah. it? Join us when we'll be describing more pictures. <laughs> yes, I don't know, that's all right. But I think there's more interesting things going to be at the Geneva show. Yeah. Oh talking of can badly just, designed back. Can I just finish can't. what I was trying to say about oh, the yeah. cactus yeah. first before we move on to the next one? That'll get attention, but there's a lot of good qualities in that car. Mm. It's very light, it meets a lot of the needs of people who say they want a four by four, but don't need one. You know, like the cash 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 cow did cash cow, yeah, cash yeah. cow did yeah but also there's a whiff of spin about it the rear windows don't open they're just like vents yeah right? they're hinged like on yeah, an old mini and it's to save money that's all it yes, is to save yes, money yes. to keep the cost down they're saying oh no it has aerodynamic and wind advantages hmm. spin spin so it does make me slightly cynical about it but a great car i was just going to mention talking of badly designed backlights there's a mini Clubman concept, which is yeah. essentially just a thinly disguised version of the five-door Mini that's coming later this year. Yeah. And it looks all right. It looks like a five-door Mini. But mm. the back lights, I think, are dreadful, because they're horizontal rather than vertical, as they are on other Minis. Heresy, I say! Heresy! Just, it just doesn't work for me. They just look really clunky. And I have to say, actually, I just think the Mini is a strange example of a car that just gets worse and worse looking with every generation yeah well, and you want to say to the designer i want to break into the mini studio in <laughs> munich and just go stop just stop because <laughs> they keep designing they can't <laughs> stop designing you look at the new mini the new three door that's just been announced and particularly on the cooper s there's all sorts of stuff going on. Look at the front of it. You've got the grill, and then you've got this little sort of extra shape at the bottom, and you've got fog lights, and you've got the main lights, and you've got vents in the front wings, and, it's, and the interior is just yeah. like it's been done by a hyperactive child. It's just too much. You know what Calm it is? Calm down. Yeah, you know and, what and, and, and stop doing quite so many things. You know, yeah. you're, you're reining in a bit. Because it struck me the other day that I just had this sudden moment when an evoke passed me, mm. and I suddenly thought, there's something weird going on here because the smallest Range Rover mm. is now about the same size as the biggest Mini, and there's something wrong with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's more Mini's fault than Range Rover. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I saw some awful guff in Autocar this week about how apparently the Mini bosses at BMW have no qualms with this. All they think that Mini stands for is that a Mini will be the smallest car in its given segment. I saw that. Now, oh, car buyers no, don't no. give a flying monkey's bum about That's that sort of stuff. Bullshit. That is That's, marketing yeah. nonsense. Yep. I have no problem now with Mini making bigger cars, bigger versions of the Mini, 
as long as, in addition to that, make a small city car, like that Rocket Man, whatever well, they called it. Yes. That was a proper Mini. And it has to be a really good one as well, because that, mm. you know, you know, that is why the Mini brand is still worth something today. That's why BMW got into yeah. that, because it was a fantastic small city car. They've got to carry on making that key product. Anyway, well, we can knock it, but... <clears throat> uh, just the other week, BMW announced that they are going to start building minis in the old Dutch factory that used to make the Volvo V40 and the Charisma Ned Car. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. BMW is now like Magnastair in Austria, where they yeah. actually build the Mini Countryman and the Paceman. And that place in Finland where they used to build Porsche boxes. Valmet. It's like a Valmet, that's it. Yep. It's a factory for hire. It's yep. run as a kind of, you yep. bring it, we will build it kind of thing. Mm. And they're going to start using it to build minis because Cowley is at absolute capacity. Okay. And demand for minis is, they hope, just going to keep on going up and up. So they're doubling up now with another factory. So they're clearly mm. doing something right. They used to build the mini in Belgium, if I remember. They did, a long at time ago. And they build Allegro's there as well. That's right. As this Allegro is the best foreign car I've ever owned. When when British Leyland was at the height of its strike-racked, darkest days of the middle 70s, the Belgian Allegro factory was making right-hand drive Allegro's and sending them back to Britain Mm -hmm. to try and keep topping up supply. Mm -hmm. And British Leyland managers who were due an Allegro company car would try and get a Belgian-made one (laughs) because the popular rumour was they were better made from the British built ones yeah. and a also they were made where the British built ones weren't necessarily because all the staff were outside around a brazier yeah. we digress we um, certainly digress to Belgium's uh, proud <laughs> motor <laughs> industrial heritage in, in fact we digress at a point at which we have to end the programme boys I'm sorry to do this yet you get 10 seconds on anything else that you spotted in Geneva that you want to say before we have to go any thoughts? Don't again, that'll be quite fun to look at, but uh, not many of us will be able to buy one. The little There's a new TT. Yeah, yeah it's going to yeah. be a new TT. Yeah. Same as the old TT. Jaguar XFRS Sport Brake, Ooh. which looks <gasps> quite not, interesting. Not and really a that's about it. Oh, there's a new family of small cars, the Peugeot 108 and the Citroen C1, and they both look a bit dodgy to me. The Citroen, because it appears to be wearing a monocle, it does. and <laughs> the Peugeot, because they keep showing these photos of it with two-tone paint, and it looks like some kind of old Austin from the <laughs> 1940s. <laughs> so the Toyota Igo, which which is the third of this trio of sister cars hasn't been revealed yet but really it's Toyota's for the losing there because yeah. it's unless it's got a dog turd on the bonnet it's going to look better than the Peugeot and the Citroen and if ever there was an argument for Mini making a small car those are the only other choices for the oh no they're not cars. the new Renault Twingo I knew there was something interesting I forgot ah, to mention three cylinder rear engine yeah. now that is theirs for the losing if that is not yeah. absolutely brilliant and mm. hilariously good fun then they've done something badly wrong aren't there a lot of Renaults on the road he said catches on Church Street I see a capture every day and it's not the same one I've seen three in three different colours they're really taking off enough of that before we go Richard say I'm pointing at Zog and say <laughs> Richard you confuse me there so, Zog say ta Richard say ta now as this is the St David's Day show I'm going to leave you with a Welsh tune a song which I've written and performed in the style of a Welsh artist called Bob Dellin. No, not Bob Dylan, Bob Dellin. Dellin is the Welsh word for harp, and there is harp on this. I've recorded a song in his style about the only truly great Welsh Formula One driver ever, Tom Price, who in 1977 died in horrible circumstances at Kyle Army. We called him Maldwin. His real name was Thomas Maldwin 
Price. And I know you won't understand Welsh, but listen carefully for the song. There's some things in there that you may recognise. And if you want to know truly what this song is all about, please go to my website, garethjones.tv. Go to the page for this episode of Gareth Jones on Speed, and you will find not only the lyrics in Welsh, if you can read Welsh, I doubt you can in the Venn diagram of Gareth Jones on Speed listeners. But there's an English translation as well, which tells the story of someone who, for me, is very important, a successful Welsh Formula One driver. If he'd lived, he would have been 65. And he died on March the 5th. So depending when you're listening to this show, this is about as close to the anniversary as we can make it. Dear Gwil Dewidar, happy St. David's Day. And here's Tom Price. I'm not heavy. Monday, no, 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 no,
send us an email. See pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!